The Anton Savage Show Sunday. Brought to you by PwC. Combining talent and technology, we're hardwired to find solutions. On News Talk. Now, we've been speaking a lot about uh, matters relating to RTE because it's running significantly in all of the papers. Um, as you heard from Neve Smith, the head of the Oireachtas Committee earlier on, um, she's accusing them of cooking their books in respect of the um, how funding or how the revenue streams were declared in relation to Toy Show the Musical. Meanwhile, there is the issue about how RTE is going to fund itself. And according to the papers yesterday, there are more bombshells yet to come. This raises the question... What of morale within the organisation and at what point do we draw a line under all of this? I'm joined by Seamus Dooley who is um, uh, representative of the NUJ in RTE and beyond. Um, Seamus, uh, you must at this point be getting sickened by the constant rolling revelations. Yeah, but well, I, I said at the outset of this that RTE couldn't just lurch from crisis to crisis uh, and I expressed a concern about being mired in process. Process is necessary. Uh, I haven't had the opportunity to talk to many members about uh, the latest Grant Thornton report because bluntly at this stage people feel that they need to do their job. They need to live their lives and they need to do their best in very difficult situations. Uh, I think it is actually a time for deep breaths in a way in that we know the voluntary redundancy inquiry is going to come and that is going to be particularly devastating in my view because... Why? Well, I was listening to Breda O'Keefe tell an Oireachtas committee that she had benefited from and put on the record what she called an agreed restructuring package and my jaws dropped. There was never such a thing as an agreed restructuring package. It was a, an agreed voluntary exit package. There is difference. The language is important. Um, and why is that so significant? Because she put it on record. She wasn't keeping it secret. No one on the committee said, hold on a moment. All of those packages, the rules say they have to be agreed by the rest of the board. No one on the committee followed that up and said, was it agreed? Uh, and no one asked, redundancy is on the basis of you not being replaced. And last week we were talking to your replacement. So that was a flaw by the committee. And I have to say, I contacted members of the PAC and they asked Adrian Lynch the next uh, week when he was in, did you know about it? He was the acting DG. He said no. So from then on, there is only one conclusion because the rules of that scheme is that the voluntary redundancy packet, it says is agreed by the executive board. And I assume we are talking significant money because a senior executive getting a voluntary redundancy package of any nature... I would be surprised if I'm wrong in saying 400,000 because it is... 400,000 is your estimation? Yep, because it is based on salary by two. We know roughly what what Breda was earning. The issue really is whether anyone else benefited from that exit scheme as well. And what's interesting about that, and I don't get caught up in the weeds of it, is if it was only Breda O'Keefe as Chief Financial Officer, that raises fundamental concerns. If other people also uh, benefited, it raises concerns. But there would have been a number of what I would call worker bees, people who go in every day who work who applied for the voluntary redundancy scheme, including one or two women who had very specific caring responsibilities, they would have applied not once but twice and have it refused. It's a discretionary scheme. No appeal. And when you go to the board, or I would go on behalf of the full-time executive and say, what's the policy in the relation to say that? That's been blocked by finance. So if this report finds that there was a special deal 
agreed without reference to the full executive board, which appears to be the place. That's a fundamental question. So how do we, how does ultimately the organisation stem the bleeding? Because there was a sense that there was a, a number of resignations, there was the new DG finally got his feet under, he came out with his strategic plan to rectify all of this, and all we were waiting for was the last shoe to drop, which was the, the system of funding. Now we get more revelations in relation to creative accounting in respect of the toy show. We get more revelations in relation to the voluntary run scheme. And there is a sense, I imagine, within RTE, within your union and beyond of, this just goes on and on and on. Uh, Yes, but I think we knew this was coming, bluntly, because the reality is if there had not been corporate governance failures, we wouldn't have any of these. I actually think the minister is right to say that there should be no resignations at this stage. There are two key reports. There's the one in corporate governance formed by Neve Brennan, and then there is a second one on HR. And RTE has, I mean, I'm not surprised by the contempt for process because I encounter it. I encounter it in contempt for with the bogus self-employment, with the casual attitude collective agreements with trade unions. No, sorry, bogus self-employment, that is where freelancers are effectively quasi-staff, but they are and, required and to be have freelance been contracts. to be yes. in breach of the law on that by scope, the Department of Social Protection, and that has cost a huge amount of money to the Have taxpayers. you seen a change in that culture that you're so critical of? And there is a change of? with the current chair and with the current director general. And there is a demand, which I understand, for people saying that if someone was on the outgoing board and they were involved... But the problem with the Grant Thornton report is it's painting by numbers because no one is actually named in that report. We don't know who actually was responsible. So I'm actually not in favour of letting anyone off the hook until we see the corporate governance report. And if we are competent that the current... Uh, chair and director general are supervising things properly and there are a few other changes now the, the threshold for spending has moved from 2 million to 1 million uh, there's also a designated secretary of the board rather than the legal officer also being the secretary of the board there's a number of structural changes I Are also, you going to struggle to get decent board members? Well that's the other issue is that if standing if if the current board, if there were resignations from the current board, then the board would be in quarry because there are already, there's already an ad out for members of the board. There are, do you think there'll be a lot of people already. paying for opportunity to serve on the new board? Well, I think one of the issues there is that the minister and the department might reflect on the quality of board appointments as well. There was a tradition of much greater independent, uh, much greater diversity on the board. There used to be a tradition where someone with a kind of business IBEC background and a trade union background were members of the board. They ended that as very much a bias towards independent producers and creative types. And you and there, you need that mix, but I think the mix has gone gone askew. The Patricia King is a former member of the board, and Patricia King had an interesting tradition when she was a board member. She brought her lunchbox and had her lunch in the car. She did the same when she was on the board of Arianta. That might seem an irrelevant point, but what it meant was there was no cosy conversation. Um, final thing that I want to ask you about the the debate, of course, rages about what the method of funding will be. Uh, Tishik has said that he wants RTE to be paid for by the exchequer, that we cut through all of this licence fee guff and we simply say, there is a stipend per annum, take it now, don't bother us anymore. Is that the way to go? I believe in biannual funding and I think that exchequer funding is the way to go. I think this nonsense about there being a lack of political control is a sideshow. The reality, or political interference, the reality is the failure to fund 
owned RTE property and the failure to deal with the licence fee was in itself a form of political interference. TG Cahar responded directly. No one could accuse that. Well, let me put to you the, the hypothesis that I think those on the other side would have, which is that says, if I am the minister with responsibility for the budget and you are the DG and or chairman and you're sitting opposite me and I'm saying, lads, I'm only about another two months from deciding what this figure is going to be. Now, let me talk to you about either your political coverage or your news coverage or anything else. Is that not a worrying position to be in? The, the Future Media Commission recommends external funding through the uh, funding mechanism biennial done through Commission Oman or some other way. And that is what happens in Europe. Ultimately, we have we have to decide whether we want public service broadcasting. If we have, we have to pay for it. And to be perfectly honest, you know, we wouldn't start from here at all if we we're having the debate. But this debate has been going on a, on a long time. And the reality now is that politicians will always be cowardly when it comes to asking the public to pay. So the debate is whether the public want to pay for public service broadcasting. And unfortunately, all of this kind of striptease of revelations one after the other damages public trust. It's an uphill challenge, but actually it's a challenge that has to be met in an era of disinformation. Organisations like this organisation and RTE are crucial in tackling disinformation. Seamus, thank you very much for your time this morning. That is Seamus Dooley of the NUJ. The Anton Savage Show. Brought to you by PwC. Sunday mornings from 10. On News Talk.